0: Over the last several weeks, you've been uh, gift-sharing and and, uh, enjoying time with with, uh, family, friends. But for this month, I want us to focus on one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us. And it's the gift of prayer. The gift of invitation to commune with the God who created us. The one who loves us. Too often, though, we do not pray. We have lost a passion for prayer uh, in the church, among believers. Why is it that we don't pray? Keith Evans, a professor of biblical counseling, uh, gave five reasons we don't pray. His his, um, understanding, he says, well, first, we can't see our conversational partner. So therefore, sometimes we, out of sight, out of mind, we just don't think about it. He says it's uncomfortable. God is holy and we are not, and therefore sometimes we'll avoid interaction with God knowing the kind of baggage we carry and do we really want to face our Creator, our Savior, if we're holding on to things that we should have abandoned many years ago. Third reason he gives for why we don't pray is we implicitly think it is a waste of time. We are doers by nature. You want to do something or you want to fix something, you just do it. You don't pause and and wait and 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 talk to the air, to a God you can't see. We we think it's a waste of time. Even those who believe that um, okay, I need to I need to work prayer into my day. Let me take five minutes here. If we treated our spouse or our children this way, oh, I need to talk to my spouse, I need to talk to my children, let me give them five minutes today and so I can run away and do something else. That wouldn't feel intimate, wouldn't feel connected. The fourth reason he provides, it's easier to pretend like we're pious than to actually walk in piety. Hey, I'll pray for you. That's easier to say than to say, hey, why don't we stop and pray right now? Let's commune with God and ask for his protection, his wisdom, his, his direction. The last reason he provides in his list is I can't get him to do my bidding We desire our will to be done, but we ought to be saying, let us delight ourselves in him and pray according to his will, for it is far better than anything that I could create in my own mind. If you've gone to God asking, and he hasn't provided the answer, you have told him what and how to answer, and he hasn't given you that. Sometimes we'll avoid God because he hasn't done our bidding. I want us to turn our Bibles today to uh, Psalm 95. I want to focus on just a few verses here. Psalm 95, verse 6, 7, and 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can pick up the black Bible in the pew rack right in front of you and turn to page 467. In the midst of all the Psalms, which we spent a lot of time in the Psalms this last summer... But in all the places, it speaks about prayer. I was really drawn to this one a few weeks ago, saying, I think this is where we need to start. Rather than talking about how to pray or what to pray, I wanted to start with why we pray. And I think this captures the thought of our prayer life. Let me read its entirety of of chapter 95, and then I'll focus back in verse 6, 7, and 8. In Psalm 95, it begins, "O oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. And let us make a joyful noise to him with song of praise. And certainly we have done that this morning. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. In the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Well, that certainly sets a context of the one we need to be praying to. Why would we enter into his presence? Because of who he is and what he can do and and, and the majestic nature of God that is lacking in this world and all of creation. We need him. And verse 6, Oh, come. Let us, you saw the plural language here, all of us are invited. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah. In the wilderness, when the when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work for forty years, I loathed that generation and said, "They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways." Therefore, I swore in my wrath, "They will not enter." My rest. What a, a contrast from the first few verses of 90, uh, chapter 95 to the, the conclusion of that chapter. So we have to understand the, what's taking place in this critical moment of this writing, what he's referring to back in the day when, when Moses was instructed while they were in the wilderness, the Israelites, to send in 12 spies to the promised land. The promised land that that had been uh, prophesied years before. The promised land that God was leading them to. He says, now step in with the spies to see the wonderful land I have prepared for you. Twelve spies went in. Twelve spies came out. Twelve spies gave the same testimony of this. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a wonderful place. But ten spies had a different testimony of what should take place now. They said... There are giants in the land, and we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. We should not go. What was supposed to be an encouraging message, that that they were representing God as the eyewitnesses of what God has provided, they came back, and rather than being encouraging, they became discouraging and said, we should not go. Yes, God's prepared it. Yes, God's called us to get it. Yes, God will give us the strength, but you know what? What? Rather than seeking his strength and power and wisdom, let's abandon the plan of God and go in another direction. It would be better to stay in Egypt or in the desert. Actually, they were desiring to go back to Egypt. Let's get rid of Moses is what they said, and let's just go get another leader to take us back to Egypt. It would be better to go back to slavery than to trust God and move forward. But two spies said, Yes, we are like grasshoppers in their eyes, but we have a mighty God, and he will give us the strength. Well, at that moment, with the discouraging message, we're getting warned by the psalmist. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like they harden their hearts against God's call. Our life of prayer is connecting to a God, trusting Him, surrendering our plans, our will, and and going with whatever He desires. Chuck Lawless, who's the Dean of Doctrinal Studies down at Southeastern Seminary, says this. He says, prayer shows our love and trust of God. Therefore, if we do not pray... What does that say about our love and our trust of God? Today, I want us to to see three different reasons from the small passage of of really verse 7 and 8 of why we must recover a passion to pray. The first is this you notice the words, if you hear his voice. Prayer is an intimate affection. Who is the one calling to us? Who is the one inviting us into a prayerful, committed relationship? We love him because he first loved us. He created us. He initiated the relationship. He invites us into an intimate time with him. The God of the universe knows you by name. And is more intimately desiring you than even the stars of the sky. Our urgency of response to hearing his voice. An urgency of any response is directly related to the significance of the one calling. If you hear someone at a ball game. Or at the store. Or walking down the street. And they go, hey! It may get your attention. But I doubt you'll respond unless you recognize the voice and you recognize the face. But how many of you as, as children, you might cry out and your mom comes running because she knows your voice? How many of you as children would hear your mama call or your dad call? Hey, it's time for dinner. Come on inside. Well, of course, at that point, you have to determine, I know the voice. I know the command. Am I going to obey it at this point? But there's no confusion. Confusion. If you hear his voice, you know that there was a relationship there that is inviting you into a conversation, into into an interaction. We have a God who loves us and is calling out to us. Just as he was calling and talking to the Israelites of that first uh, 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 movement into or calling to the promised land, he's calling out to us. I want to just remind you of various scriptures, both New and Old Testament that remind us of God's desire for us to interact with him through prayer. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In Psalm 16, verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, connected, close relationship with me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord Is a strong tower. The righteous man. Runs to it. Not away from it. Runs to it. And is safe. In James chapter 1 verse 5. It tells us. If any of you lacks wisdom. Let him ask God. Who gives generously. To all without reproach. It will be given to him. A precious verse. That leads us all to salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, what? will be saved. That's not a hope. That's a promise. If you hear his voice, are you eagerly listening for the God who's calling out to you? You know, one of the things about God, he does not sleep. He is up at 2 a.m., When you're woken up at 2 a.m. with troubles on your heart, He's there in the middle of the day when you're pulling your hair out and you're not sure what to do about this, this, and that. He is there. God is readily available and He is eager to interact with you. There are times, certainly, that we can carve out. Let's spend 15, 20, 30, an hour time of prayer. But God is not just available during those times. Even in the quick prayers. I remember Nehemiah in the chapter 1 when he's, he's needing God's help and he didn't have some time to have extended prayer. He just said, God, help me. I'm going into the presence of the king. And God was there and answered that prayer. Are we interacting with God, spending extended time, but even moment-by-moment times, hearing His voice and seeking His face, if you hear His voice? But I want you to take the warning here right after hearing His voice. It says, do not harden your hearts. That's a significant warning that's also repeated in the book of Hebrews a few times. In Hebrews chapter 3, one particular time, I want you to hear the words once again. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. You notice when you hear God's voice and don't respond appropriately, it's called rebellion. Perhaps you would believe that with your own children if you say, come, and they run away. That's rebellion. As believers in Christ, if God calls our uh, our name, he's saying, hey, come to me, and we do not. We're in rebellion. So let me go on with uh, Hebrews 3, 7. Uh, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test. And he saw my works for 40 years. Prayer keeps our relationship with the Lord fresh. But when we fail to connect... When we shut him out or we simply ignore him, we harden our hearts in that relationship. And there are great, great consequences. Hardening your, hardening your heart requires a conscious effort. These are intentional moving away from the God that we say we love and we trust. When your expectations are not met, when your circumstances are not favorable the temptation is to get mad to be hurt to be fearful or even bitter against god and others the god is calling out to you and is there for you and you pull away because he didn't do what you wanted him to do or it didn't work out the way you expected And we become bitter. You stop trusting God in your circumstances. And the hardening begins. Like the ten spies who went in and and came back and said, no, we cannot go. They looked at the size of the giants more than the size of their God that they could relate with. Fear kicked in. And self-reliance apart from God became what they depended upon rather than God's guidance. Not only is hardening requiring a conscious effort, hardening is a cumulative effect. Each time we, we don't obey God, or we fail to trust him with our lives, or we abandon his wisdom and move in our own, the callousness begins to take over our hearts. Every one of us, I'm sure, have been guilty at times. Hard-heartedness becomes habitual. Habitual. He tells us to do something simple. We go, "Ah, I don't have time for that right now. Not a big deal. Then another prompting later. No. You have an extra 20 minutes and you haven't really had a good conversation with God. So you go, I could do that or I could flip through my phone or uh, change the channels on, on the television. I can entertain myself with my downtime rather than commune with God during this time. A lack of surrender A lack of dependence and believing either God doesn't know or God doesn't care adds another layer of hardness to our hearts and distances us from God. We don't find the rest running away from him. We don't find the the safety and protection uh, moving away from him, only towards him. And that begins in prayer. See, prayer is an intimate affection. If you hear his voice, he's the initiator. Prayer is an intentional protection. It keeps you from hardening and suffering the consequences. In that moment with the uh, ten spies, they came back and, and, and just failed to trust God and were starting to call for a new leader, get another leader, replace Moses, get somebody who can take us back to Egypt. And the people began to believe that, and they're rising up against the leadership. Those ten spies were annihilated by God. And when the people heard from Moses that God was displeased with their response and their lack of trust, they changed their minds and they went to God and said, Give us another chance. We'll go now. We'll go to the promised land. We'll do exactly what you said. And we know God is a God of second chances. But hear me clearly. God is not the God always of second opportunities for the same call. You know what God told them? No. I gave you the opportunity. I gave you the call. And you abandoned it. Therefore, the consequence is you will stay in the desert for 40 years and the next generation will get the blessing of going in. There are times when we say we're going to trust God, and, and then we, we hesitate, we're fearful, we, we abandon the opportunity, and then we have a change of heart down the road, and we want to recapture the moment that God showed us something, and we want him to give us a second chance. Listen, God is a God of second chances for people, but not opportunities. He may not renew the original call. He can still use you, and he can point you in a different direction, but when God brings you something, present you and says, trust me, step out of the boat, go into the storm, walk across the, the, the river. It's now or never. As my kids were growing up, we had a phrase in our family, if it's not immediate, it's disobedient. And when we're di- disobeying, we don't always get the same blessing. There's a consequence. Even when God saves us in our soul He doesn't always remove the consequence of our former actions. Why is it so important for us to keep a fresh connection of prayer relationship with God? Because if we don't, it hardens our heart. And we'll suffer additional consequences along the way. And from the end of Psalm 95, it says, and you will not have the rest. So the last observation from this particular section what is prayer prayer is an immediate connection what does he say to start this phrase he says today not tomorrow not next week not if you can work me in your calendar by the end of the new year today today The psalmist is calling for a close communion with God today, right now. There is no better time to recover a passion for prayer than right now. The invitation is clear. The opportunity is free. The time is now. Israel's experience with with the spies should serve us as a warning. If God calls you today, that's when he wants you to respond. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today may be your only time to respond to a specific call that God is, is, is requesting of you. Today is the top opportunity to talk with him and seek his wisdom, for it's available now. We must never assume we have tomorrow. If we haven't learned that by now in the timelines that we've lived, we know that lives can be snatched and opportunities fleeting quickly. Yesterday has passed, tomorrow may never arrive. Today is the day of salvation, and today is the day to recover a passion to pray from the God who desires you and is calling for you. I want to take a moment to consider what we might pray. Actually, I'm going to invite you just to, to lower your heads, close your eyes, and just consider some prayers that you may be able to... In your heart, respond to God. Roger Dixon, a great member of our church, sent the elders a list, uh, forwarded a list of, of various prayers written by someone or different requests we could ask of God. And I just, I, I pulled out a few of those I thought might be helpful for us today. And so l- allow me to just lead us in this guided prayer. Lord, in 2024, I ask you to help me to slow down And rest in you more. I ask you to help me. To learn to be content. Whatever state. I'm in. I ask that you. You you give me a greater revelation of. A belief in. An experience. In your exceeding abundance. I ask that. I could have more grace. And appetite. For long periods of prayer i pray that i i I can have a development of of more of a passionate heart for worship than i've ever had help me to to grow in honor towards others and help me to speak my spouse's love language with greater fluency help me to to grow in love in general help me to have a greater capacity to dream god-sized dreams Help me to increase my skill in discerning the many ways you speak to me. Give me a greater unction to fast and pray. Teach me how I may make disciples as Jesus made disciples. Help me not to speak anything evil about another person. Help me to... Be more trustworthy in your sight. Help me to have a greater compassion for those in need. God, help me and give me the words of the wise that I may speak a word in season to those who are weary. Give me eyes to see you and ears to hear you and a nose to smell your fragrance. Help me to love what you love and to hate what you hate. Help me to love righteousness and hate lawlessness. God, help me to have an increased revelation of eternity. Give me a greater passion for the lost. And God, I pray for you to order my steps according to your word and not my will. Give me a greater grace to love my enemies to bless those who curse me, to pray for those who despitefully use me. And I pray, Father, for your daily conviction and help to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I may prove what is your good, acceptable, and perfect will in my life. Father, as we've considered your words today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I pray, Father, by your spirit, that you would stir within our hearts a desire to commune with you. We may not always know what words to say, but Father, you already know our hearts before we speak. Yet you invite us to talk with you anyway to trust you, to love you. And I pray for every life in this room and anyone watching online that you would just stir within them a love for you because you are loving them. Forgiveness is offered. Wisdom is provided. Rest is readily available as we run to the security of being in your presence, which provides overflowing joy. Bless the lives in this room. Bless our church as we pursue you, perhaps in in even newer ways this month, surrendering our will and trusting in you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.